just love helping people. And that's what, in a sick kind of way, that's what I thought I was doing in the drug world. You're listening to the Jack Wagon Podcast. Oh, good for you. Featuring Chad Roper and Drew Cobb from Cool 94's Rope and Drew in the Morning. You've got to remember that these are just simple farmers. You know, morons. Oh. (laughs) This podcast is unsuitable for small children and girly soy boys. They whine about anything. You pull down their pants and you spank their ass. What is these animals? The Jack Wagon Podcast. Eric? Yes, sir. You ready to do this? I guess ready as I'm going to be. Jack Wagon (laughs) Podcast number nine. Rope with you. That's Drew Cobb and my friend. Eric Easter. Welcome, dude. I am so glad to see you. So let's start at a couple of days ago. Shelly sends me a picture of something that you got in the mail. Yes, sir. What was that? That was a pardon from the state of Oklahoma. Ooh. Okay. So it wasn't just a pardon for one thing. There was a litany of stuff that you got pardoned on. Yes, sir. So go down the list of the things that you got pardoned on, and then we're going to go way back. I would have to pull it up and look at it, but I know there was a... There was a domestic abuse or two on there, an assault and battery or two on there, um, possession of mm-hmm. marijuana, possession of meth, uh, having a firearm after felony conviction. I think maybe that's it. I'm not even sure exactly. I did a lot it's of pretty stuff. good rap sheet, man. Yes. Not bad. Yes. So are you pretty much all cleaned up as far as the state and record goes? Well, I still have to get an expungement, which that'll get it off, off completely off my record where it doesn't show up on anything. So, well, man, I love you and I'm happy for you, dude. You have worked very hard to get to that spot right there. So how old are you? Uh, 46. 46. Dang, man. You don't look it. <laughs> Honestly, he looks like maybe 34, 35. Ah, okay, there, there you, you go. go. There you go. Now the truth is out. He hides the proof of his hard yeah. living under his ball. Like, I, got a, I got a simple fix for this. Boom. <laughs> so uh, let's go way back, man. So um, you uh, you picked a road. Was there a particular reason why things started to snowball into you being pretty much a very a good earning self-employed pharmacist. (laughs) Yes. Um, My mom got killed four days before my 21st birthday in a tragic car accident. And I just got mad at God and I just, I went nuts, man. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. I just, I didn't care. I didn't care if I lived or I died and uh, just started using any and every drug I could get my hands on. And, and just, I mean, I just lived on the edge. I'd say so. So did it, did did that kind of a lifestyle, was it actually at that point, that's when it started or were you kind of a little bit of a party animal before then? Uh, I'd, I'd got a couple DUIs. I had drank and stuff. I didn't drink until I was 19 years old and then I made up for lost time, got a couple DUIs, but then I kind of, I'd kind of, I'd drink a little bit on the weekends and stuff, but, um, I got a good construction job and stuff. So I was doing, I was doing good. Mm-hmm. So your mom dies in a car accident and then things kind of went off the deep end. So talk about how that escalated into where you're a, a full on pusher man. 
um it just it just started out you know the drinking increased after that and uh just to numb the pain uh, you know me and my mom are really close so the drinking escalated and then uh i was around some marijuana started smoking marijuana and then you know i never i didn't set out to do meth or coke or any of that stuff but then if you're going to be around marijuana there's going to be other stuff there sooner or later so i just decided i'd try that and once i started trying drugs there's there's not very many of them i didn't do but um i was still working construction i'd just do it uh on the weekends is when it'd get real out of control and i'd try not to use during the week while i was working but then uh it ended up to where my habit you know i I started using on monday and then before i knew it on tuesday wednesday thursday every day and then i couldn't afford my habit even with the good job that i had so i started dealing wow uh, where are you from uh sayre really so born and raised in sayre and um so talk about the racket that you kind of developed where can I just say first that I had no idea that that's what the context of this podcast would be. So I feel like a complete idiot because I'm drinking a beer right now. I feel like I'm a bad influence. Uh, Is this going to be a problem? I have no problem not drinking. And just for the record, I plan on having this and this one alone. I'm not much of a drinker except for when we do the podcast because it's the only way I can put up with him. Man, I've went, I've went since I've been clean. I've even went to people's house that were still using drugs and stuff. You know, just, I, I would assume that yeah. that's. I mean, I've never gone through the process. Probably should have because I have yeah. a very similar past to yours. Only difference is I was a little more fortunate. You know, not the wrong place, the wrong time, that kind of. stuff. I'm sure you had a lot of that stuff. Yeah. That's probably the only difference between me and you. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> first of all, let me just say all. I'm sorry. I won't have anything else after this one. No, you're fine. It's, it's all right, man. Doesn't bother me. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's I just, a, he is an oak. Yeah. This is it's I just it didn't want to be I didn't want to be inconsiderate, you know. What I mean, so. No, you're 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 fine. Man, I would have said something to you if I thought, listen, man, he's Yeah, like when I said, Hey, I'm gonna go get a he, beer. Listen, he's he's frail, his uh he's not the sturdiest of emotional fortitude type guys, and so, you know, not the type that can't be around No, man, this guy's good, man. Well, that's good. I'd imagine what, you'd have to learn you? how to assimilate because that's something that you find at every corner in life is drinking. And now uh, marijuana is everywhere now since it's yeah. legal. So so you're involved with the drug court, too, right? Yes. Yeah. What do you do? Uh, just I'm a I'm a member on the team and then uh, assistant uh, a couple years ago, Judge Roper hired me as assistant drug court coordinator. So I just helped do the testing and then I came on the team, I think it's been seven years ago, mm-hmm. just to kind of give them an addict's perspective of, you know, what's going through these people's mind and how do we help them. So now you're an employee of uh, the church over there with Andy. Yes, sir. So what, what is, what's the name of that church? We've got thousands of listeners that probably yeah. don't know what that church is. Uh, Trinity Fellowship mm-hmm. over in Sayre. So what do you do with them? Uh, started out as a benevolence pastor over there and then now I'm the youth pastor. So I, I did a little bit of everything over there, but the youth, I really, uh, I didn't set out to do the youth, but it ended up being, it shows you. That, yeah. Yeah. The Lord, he kind of gets your feet where he wants them sometimes. So <laughs> it's got a great sense of humor, um, right? <laughs> yeah. But I'm really enjoying it now. You know, it's, it stretched me. I have a problem speaking in front of people. Mm-hmm. I don't really like microphones and all that stuff, but That's all, right. all these things like this, they stretch me and make me better. So the youth has been a great thing. I'll be me. honest with you. I have a problem with mics too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can't get enough of it. Frankly, I hate them. <laughs> so uh, let's go back to the first time you decided to move some weight. So what was that like? I mean, you decided I got to make some money somehow. Cause obviously you're blowing all your paycheck on, on your 
on your stuff. Wow, that's been a long time ago. That's been you had to be nervous, man. That must have been scary. Seems like it would be. Man, I didn't. I didn't. I I got once I started using, especially I just didn't care if I lived or I died. I really had no fear. I mean, I just I didn't. And um, I can't remember exactly when the first time or how it came about. I remember the first time that I bought like a quarter pound of meth. I remember who I bought it from, but I don't know how I got to that point. I think I, I started out just, you know, small time dealing and to try to get mine for free. But then before you know it, you just start dealing more and more and more. It's just kind of something that just sucks you in. And then um, I just, I was, I was pretty sharp in school and everything. And, and so I just kind of figured out how to make it all work and, and made a lot of money at it for a while. Until mm-hmm. I started using more and more of it. Ah, uh, so you got you were getting high on your own stash, man. Oh that's, yeah, that's the unwritten no-no, right? Yeah. That always is the beginning of the end, I guess. Mm-hmm. So what what put an end to that? To to all the drug dealing, everything. Mm-hmm. I landed myself in a Wheeler County Jail in 2007 and got four charges in 2007. And I'd been pulled over two weeks before in Oklahoma. That's when I had the gun on me after a felony conviction. Mm-hmm. And so two weeks later, I got the four charges in Texas. So got all those charges against me. I get bailed out of jail. I go right back to doing what I was doing to pay for lawyers and all that stuff on all the trouble that I had. I pled uh, on the case, the gun case in Oklahoma, got three years probation Still running back and forth to Amarillo, picking up drugs and bringing them back, dealing drugs. Got four more charges, February of 08. And so now I haven't dealt with the first four yet. They've been putting it off, putting it off. So now I've got eight charges in Texas, and I'm on probation in Oklahoma for the gun charge. So that's when I I don't give up real easy, whatever it is. I just don't give up easy. But that time Mm -hmm. I was like, there's no way out of this. I'm going to prison in Texas and Oklahoma. You know, they're going to revoke my probation in Oklahoma. Texas has got me on eight charges. So I just thought it was over. Lord just started dealing with me in that jail cell over there. And and I was just thinking about my family. You know, that's it's I'm ashamed to say this, but. When you're in that lifestyle, meth was at the top of my list, you know, and not my family. Mm. And so, but that's when I finally, I started really, really thinking about my family and what are they going to do while I'm gone, you know, because I always took care of them financially. I wasn't always there giving them the time that they deserved, but, but. So when did you get married? uh, After I got clean. Probably a good decision, huh? Yeah, we met, we met in 99 and Mm. uh, we were together all that time, but. I just never, never would tie the knot until after I got in trouble. I think it was like a month after I got, you know, after the Lord kind of <clears throat> put them on my mind and I started thinking about them. We, that's when we started going to church and I uh, just started trying to get things right with the Lord and my family before. In my mind, I was going to prison in two different states. You know, I was going to have to do two sentences in two states is what I had in my mind. So I was just trying to get things right um, before I went. Was this something that you were hiding from your family or were they aware of the situation? Everybody was. Meth is one of those drugs that like you can't hide it. It's like it's it's such a peculiar drug because it's a binge drug. It's like heroin addicts and opiate addicts. They take they take them intermittently through the day just to get through their day. But a meth binge starts one way and ends a completely other way. And you just go through whatever you have 
and you're just doing meth. What are you doing? You're just doing meth. You're staying up and doing meth until it's gone and you're hallucinating. I mean, it's easy to find yourself in some situation that you never expected yourself to be to. Like you were talking about how you kind of just didn't even know how you got to that type of quantity of selling. It just kind of happened. It just naturally happens. That's a binge that can last a whole month and it could change your whole life in just that short of a time. It's, it's crazy. So your girlfriend at the time, who's now your wife, she knew about that. Mm-hmm. How did she, how did she deal with that? Because that's not her bag. I mean, that's, she's not into that, you know, she, well, she did, she used that. She was, she had a full ride scholarship playing basketball and I got her to using it and she dropped out of college and we got together. And oh, so man. she was on and off of it you know, and then, uh, but she, she left. There's a couple of times, you know, I was physical with her and beat on her. I just, I was just, uh, I had a lot of anger and stuff inside and it came out on some of the people closest to me, some of oh my, my friends, gosh. some people that, you know, I really loved, but it's just, it made me a whole different person. I mean, I was just violent. So all in all of that craziness near the end of your run, there were people telling you, you said everybody around you knew it. So did anybody have the balls to go? You're really fucking up here and you need to rein it in. Did anybody tell you that? No. Why? Why do you think? I wasn't, I didn't hang out with those people that would tell me what I needed to hear. <laughs> so you gave yourself your own intervention. Yeah. You decided, which it's ultimately really, that's what you have to do with that kind of stuff. You have to want to stop doing what you're doing. That's what I've learned in my own experience. You can get your whole family to sit you down and read you letters about how bad you're making their lives out to be. But that doesn't matter unless you truly want to quit what you're doing. So and that's what, you know, all those charges, that's what finally made me decide that it's time to give up, you know. And Do you think that when all that stuff happened and what clearly is a paradigm shift in your mindset, that you're a common case or for other people in your situation, would you say that you, the way that things worked out for you, you're kind of an uncommon I'd say uncommon. Mm-hmm. I was probably using about, oh, it was at least a quarter ounce a day of meth by myself when I quit. Oh, and I just, my God. Cold turkey. I mean, that's seven, $800 yeah. a day street value. Meth's 100 bucks so, a gram. Yeah. It's, so, it's wow. more expensive than so, cocaine. Uh, yeah. That and is I, a, that's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I got my tolerance over the 13 years, my tolerance, you know, I would still, I'd get up every morning. I still go to bed sleep some hours and get up in the morning. It'd take me $150 worth of drugs just or meth just to get, get my day going. Then I'd go eat breakfast. Most people do $25 worth of it and not eat for a week. Exactly. So So were you, were you, (laughs) what was your method of delivery? Were you a shooter or your smoker? No, never shot it. If I'd have shot it, I'd probably be dead. That was going to be my next question because that, that's a whole other drug in itself too. It's it's just, so you were using a lot of stuff. So, (laughs) How did it affect your health? Or did it? Wait. In a strange way, that, yeah. that was a very good answer. Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That sound. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna make sure and turn the volume up on that one. And I feel you there, man, dude. I hate my teeth are my biggest self-conscious thing. And it's because of everything that I used to do. And I, I can't wait till I can get me some fake teeth. So I'm kind of jealous. Just yeah. in case. It's not clear to the people listening. Eric just basically spit his dentures out. Yeah, man. Go ahead and show the camera, dude. Show them what meth will do to you. <laughs> that was something else, man. So how did uh, how did your how did your wife get away from that stuff? 
Was it the same way for her? Did she go cold She's turkey or what? She's just always I mean, been. I mean, there was, there was a couple of times she left one time for four months, and then she left another time and took our kids and left for a year. But she would always come back. But she, for some reason, she loved me enough that she always just kind of followed my lead, good, bad, whatever it was. And so when I decided that I was done, you know, she was done too. And, and um we just started walking it out one You're day. You're a damn time. lucky guy, man, because yeah, she obviously saw something in you that yeah. <laughs> probably no one else was. Yeah. You, you want know. a backstory to that? Yeah. So I prayed one time. I said, Lord, if there's a woman out there, I said, I want you to bring her to me and give me a sign that it's her. So I meet her and had a good feeling about her. Her name was Jenny. That was my mom that got killed in a car accident. That was her first name. And so I was like, eh, I don't know if that's my sign or not. So like hmm. a couple of weeks later, a month later. I find out that uh, her middle name is D. That's my dad's first name. So her name is Jenny D, my mom's first name and my dad's first name. And so she put up with an idiot. That's freaky. Yeah, she put up with an idiot for a long time. So I said, you know, even when I was high as a kite and all that, the Lord still, he still answered my prayer in detail. That's how much he loves us. Wow. That's no joke, man. So there might be someone listening that might be dabbling in this kind of lifestyle. What's your message to them? And find help, find somebody that you can trust to talk to and figure out what you need to do. Everybody's recovery is different and there's no, this size fits all. It's, I mean, you just, you've got to find somebody that kind of knows the ropes and has been there and can help you figure out what the best course of action is for you. But I wish there was a just, Hey, this is how you do it. But everybody's walks different. Everybody's yeah. recovery is different. So mm-hmm. relatability. I think that matters, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah. I mean, cause that person, it's all loaded up, you know, they can't talk to someone that's never done that stuff before and then feel totally comfortable. Yeah. How can you possibly understand what this feels like? You know? Right. Yeah. Wow. So when you went cold Turkey, did it, did it affect you for, you know, any period of time at all while you were trying oh, to come yeah. down for two weeks? All I did, I went to, the recovery meetings on Wednesday and Sunday evenings and went to church on Sunday. But all I did was sleep, eat, and go to the restroom for about two weeks. And then my body was just so, it just ached so much. And I mean, my bones, my joints, everything hurt just from laying in bed for so long, you know, but I was just sleeping it off. And so the first two weeks at least was just pure hell, but mm. two, two months was pretty rough. You know, it was so- rough. Were you just physically dependent on meth or were, I knew, you know, you said you kind of took whatever, but did you actually have a physical dependence on other drugs as well? Or was it just uh, the meth? I was probably smoking, smoking an ounce of hydro a day too. I was smoking yeah. weed like cigarettes. And I mean, it, meth and marijuana was the main things. Every once in a while I'd pop. That's got to be the gotta biggest. That's got to balance you out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's a teeter totter. You know, yeah. what does your brain do on that shit? But it really it's doesn't. It's going to bring you down here. It's going to take you up, you know? Yeah. I called it being crosswired. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so did you go to prison for a while or what? I'd not on this, not on this last stuff. I didn't. I did uh, when I was, I think I was 25, I did a prison boot camp, you know? I just, I got lucky, man. They never caught me with a lot of weight. They always, when they would catch me, it would be with just a little bit. So hmm. got really, well, probably somebody watching over me, I would bet. So when would you say you got to the point to where you felt like you were comfortable being around other people that might be struggling with this stuff without you thinking to yourself, maybe I'll just give me a little taste. Um, probably seven or eight months in, 
six, seven, eight months, something like that. You know, I had a friend. That's he not was, a long time. Uh, I've never been away from it for that long. But once I got away from it for that long of a time, went through all the withdrawals mm-hmm. and and saw that I could do it. I, I, was, I thought I was hopeless. I thought I'd never get off of it. So when I finally did, I was like, there is no way I'm going back there again. Because, I mean, I wanted off of it for, I had fun for the, I thought, you know, it was fun yeah, for the, I don't know, four or five years till I dealt with my mom's death. And then when I finally dealt with that, mm-hmm. I, mean, I got to a point where I wanted off of it, but I just couldn't get it done. Mm-hmm. So it was getting pinched and sitting in the, sitting in the jail cell and in Wheeler, I guess. Yep. They kind of did it for you. Huh? Yep. So what actually got you caught? You want to, can you tell us the story about actually getting caught? speeding i just i couldn't i mean i never drove the i'm not limit. surprised by that yeah. <laughs> like, i'd get pulled over i don't i can't tell you how many times that i would get pulled over with it on me and they'd search the vehicle pat me down or whatever i just i had a little pouch that i would tuck in the front and i wouldn't the front of my belt that's there. crazy man and i sat in i sat in in the vehicles with the dog in the in the uh, a pickup in the extended cab of the pickup. And before. the dog's the only one that knows. <laughs> ne- and never, never did anything. Guys going up there, going through my vehicle and everything. But it, the, you just have to stay calm. But I got pulled over for speeding all the time, you know. Which that's got to be frustrating for a cop because kind of like I mentioned earlier, you, even, when you're on meth, you can't hide it. Like even yeah. if you're a seasoned pro, like you cannot hide being on meth. That cop knew that you were high. They just couldn't do nothing. So when did, the you, same when time, did you get those? Point, when did you get you know? the dentures? This is this is good. This uh, is good. Right after, right after I got clean. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, in the middle of getting pulled over, you're all tangled tooth you're looking like a couple of dice in your mouth right yeah 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 so the it, it so they you, so, so you're wearing the you're wearing the calling card oh yeah yeah and i mean everybody in western oklahoma and most of the texas panhandle knew what i was doing anyway especially cops and stuff but most of the public knew too i mean it was just common knowledge for years but I mean, the, the teeth started hurting so bad there's something about it when I was using the meth, they would, there would be times that they would hurt a little bit, but when I quit, they hurt all the time. I mean, it got really bad where I had to do something. It was oh, hurting wow. so bad. Yeah. yeah. I can imagine. Mm-hmm. So they pretty much, so you had to undergo surgery. Yeah. They put, cause me, that, that's full denture on the top. Yeah, Is they, it on bottom also? No, nah, no, the bottom's not. They pulled, uh, they pulled six or no, they cut out six teeth and pulled 12. There was some of them that had broke off and were both. Oh my God, that is that. And then being Drew, your fear of oceans equates my fear of the dentist. Well, no, that's my fear. That's that's also my fear. Yes. I, I want my own fear. Oceans, Can I have Dennis, my dude. own fear, please? Man, you don't it's even Dennis. On another I, another day. <laughs> so dude, I grew up in rural Kentucky where they're stuck in like nineteen forty. Someday on the podcast, we'll talk about my childhood dentist experiences. It's literally just like what you see in a Western movie. I mean, dentists are good people, but no, they're not. They are dominatrixes (laughs) who are into BDSM and they just want to inflict pain on people. They purposely schedule me later, later in the day and purposely go eat onions and garlic and all kinds of other rancid shit and then Cram their face right there. Well, let's see what we've got here. 
I tell you what, was, man. Dentists were a fear of mine too, but I can promise you, when you're hurting bad enough, yeah, oh you know, yeah, you, yeah. Know, you can but overcome. Like, what I was going to say is, what did you do for you know? You get that kind of surgery. That's pretty serious. Did you take the pain medicine, or I took maybe three or four pills just when I needed it, and then. Oh, that's yeah, right. That's man. what I was going to say. Because a lot of people, I mean, you had real deal oral surgery. So, yeah. I mean, there might be a, like, there's a little bit of a justification. I mean, I've, our daughter, she, she got her four wisdom teeth cut out and we wouldn't let her have anything besides Tylenol. Yeah. Cause we didn't think she needed, I mean, I never took that, that stuff, you know, yeah. that's, that's real deal, man. I mean, how, how long did that take to get past? Oh, it probably took a few weeks for the swelling and stuff. You know, I was 18 teeth all at once. They did. They put me under and like <laughs> Dude, I said, oh God, they had, to, they had to cut six of them out because the gum That's had grown real. back over them. It's See, that bad. Oh, people, wow. like most people don't even oh get all God, four man. wisdom teeth pulled out at the same time. They'll usually do two and then they'll go do the other two. That's unreal. So do you know, like when you get a, like a nose rimmer? Right. You've got a you got a nose hair that's coming out and then you pluck that thing and then it hurts somewhere over here. Right. <laughs> the that, listening effect. to that makes me hurt all the way in my chode. I mean, that is so bad. That is so bad, man. I can't I can't imagine it. It was painful. Oh, it was worth it, though. I mean, the pain from that was. Oh, is this a little bit of you so, feel like you deserve to feel the pain yeah. for being so bad? So Here, Here's another question. Here's, here's one thing about being a drug addict slash drug dealer. Right now, there's probably people out there who owe you thousands of dollars. Ooh, yeah. No? No. There was, uh, there was very few that owed me when I quit, and some of them didn't come and tried to pay me, and I told them I ain't even worried about it. I don't want that money anymore. That was going to be the next question. Like, do you turn down the money if they're like, hey? Yeah, but I know, this, is like, this is like four grand, man. Are you sure? Back yeah. when I was doing this stuff like 10 years ago or so, dude, I was not quite on your level because I wasn't making that much money, but I was spending every dollar I made. I was spending probably three to 400 a day on what I was doing. And when that ran out, like I got, I got screwed over several times. Like you fork over the money and then the person just takes off and you know, (laughs) listening to you guys talk about this stuff. I mean, I'm a pretty, I grew up kind of rough, right? But I'm listening to this and I'm thinking to myself, dang man, the only drug stories I got is like, I used to work at a drug store. (laughs) We haven't even scratched the surface of my stuff. Like I'm telling you, me and him probably have a lot of stuff in common. I just got lucky, extremely lucky. And I'm also the type of person that I've been able to quit everything I've ever done. Like I've been twisted off on stuff, but I've always been able to stop myself. I'm just one of those people. I don't know. Yeah. I've been through withdrawals several times on different things in my life, but that's what makes you not want to do it again. When you actually experience all that pain, like I will never, ever take another opiate drug my entire life ever, no matter what happens ever. You know, you have, uh, You've shared your testimony hundreds, if not thousands of times, and I'm betting you've you've helped damn near as many people. Have you ever met someone since you've gotten yourself cleaned up that you really wanted to help and it it just it didn't go the way that you hoped? And then it affect you in a way you're like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Have you ever had one of those situations? Yeah, there's, there were several of them, especially in the beginning, you know, because I wanted to save everybody and fix everybody, you know, and, mm-hmm. and there's just some of them that, that you can't reach. And so it was hard for me at first, but now I just know that, you know, the ones that you can help, I just hang in there and 
and do what I can because there are there are several wins, you know, throughout there. But there's going to be more losses mm-hmm. than there are wins. Just something. It's like baseball, man. Time. It's like yeah. baseball. Well, I'm I'm a little bit speechless here, learning learning some of this stuff. That's just because you haven't been down that road, man. Like I feel for him. Like I can see the pain behind those eyes, dude. He's got them dark eyes like me. He's got pain behind there. He's been through some stuff. His eyes aren't aren't uh, crazy eyes. Yeah, quite like yours. So what there else you do you do, man? What else do you do? <laughs> Spend time with my family, my friends. Um, just I stay busy. I was always busy running the drugs and all that stuff. So well, I try to stay busy on this side of things well, now. Helping, what's your life skill me. now? Are you mainly just a speaker? Or I mean, what what do you do for what do you do for career? Uh, youth pastor at Trinity. Yeah, Fellowship. yeah, that's people, right. People, people's right. my business. I just gotcha. I love people, man. I mean, I just love helping people, and that's what, in a sick kind of way, that's what I thought I was doing in the drug world. You know, I, people were getting ripped off way back when I very first started dealing, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna get the stuff, and I'm gonna weigh it out right for them and charge them right, and so I that was I was helping people is how. <laughs> they're gonna buy it anyway they might as well get it from me you're the good samaritan yeah. of the pusher men he's the nice crack dealer hey you want some just a nice crack you know just a nice crack running a special right now <laughs> polite buy one get one half i off. gotta tell you though man the way that i have have seen you is that you are a pinnacle of uh of the you represent what a series of tough but good choices can can be. You are very uncommon as far as I'm concerned. I think I saw a lot of stuff like this when I was about seven, eight, nine years old. I got to see a lot of pills and stuff. I never took any of this stuff, but it was a it was a weird thing that I got to see when I was a kid. I didn't have a whole lot of supervision. For some reason, I never really messed with it and I just didn't, but I was around a lot of people that did a lot of people that probably ended up like you, except they didn't come out on the back end the same way. And so what I see you is you are the possibility, you know, you're going to be exposed to a lot of people uh, who are going to be struggling with this stuff, obviously because of your involvement with drug court. Right. But I'm talking about the people that haven't gotten pinched yet. Maybe you see them coming in and out of church, you know, every now and then some people get, they get, you know, hit with a wave of the feels, man. And they're like, I got to, I got to, I got to make my guilt not get after me so bad right now because I did X, Y, Z stuff either last night or a week ago. I'm just hurting. And so I'll go to church or whatever and I won't feel so guilty anymore or whatever. You're going to be exposed to some of those people. And whenever you share this kind of stuff, like what you're talking about right now, there might be that one person that listens to this and they see you as the possibility. You know, you really could be kind of like that little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. You know, you are a really powerful person. And I don't think you maybe you do know. But just by you sharing what you did and all of the dumb stuff that went down in the process, just how wrapped up in that life you were and for you to be in as good a health as you are. And you strike me as a very healthy fellow. Your teeth are perfect, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) You really are a possibility. And I think that uh, I, I don't know if you realize just how much 
power you wield by simply you being the guy that you are right now. I don't know if you know that. I've, I've come to know that, I guess I'm just, I, you're really, damn really, humble. Really, you're really, damn really humble, humble in that. And that's yeah, pretty good. I don't, that's pretty cool. And I give all the credit to the Lord. You know, I wouldn't be where I'm at today if it wasn't for the Lord and, and the Lord loving me through people, you know, people, there's a lot of people responsible. I don't even want to try to start naming off those people, but you there's a ton of people. Better start with Jenny. Some. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I love you, Jenny. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of people that, you know, uh, have helped me to get to where I'm at, but it, it is, it's, it's a super hard thing to, to get here. But I think just walking it out and being an example and then not how I, I, there's nothing that, that, you know, I haven't, offered to tell people you know especially if i'm in a one-on-one there's some things in my childhood that i don't share with everybody but if this person has went through that and they're opening up to me i'll open up the the stuff that i don't tell everybody you know if i can help this person so my life's an open book and i just believe that if we put everything out there and we don't hold anything back you know i had a friend just one example, I had a friend that listened to the testimony that I did at church here a few years ago. And when I was talking about, you know, beating on my wife, you know, he said, wow, he texted me after church and he said, wow, man, he said, that's part of my story too. But he said, I've never put that out there. And so he just saw that there's, um, that there's weight that holds weight and it helps other people, you know, to be able to open up and, and talk about those things. So I think, you know, by doing that, by just being an open book and walking things out in front of people, it opens up all kinds of possibilities. So, yeah, you think it avails uh, people to, or leads people to, you know, kind of trusting the things that you say when you just, <laughs> yeah. you leave yourself that vulnerable. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you have enough baggage that, uh, I mean, you're pretty vulnerable. Yeah, you know, when you when you open up, you know, yeah, I don't mind throwing myself under the bus if it'll help somebody else out. You're a good man for that. I do want to ask though, have you ever uh, asked Jenny if she ever wanted to whack you back? Just <laughs> yeah. go ahead and give you a left cross real good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She got the frying pan out a few times. All right. And, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Call of Duty, your ass. <laughs> yeah. It's a good thing there wasn't any guns in the house. She probably would have okay. shot. <laughs> yeah. Man, uh, we've learned a lot about you, man. And I am very thankful that you spent your time with us. Appreciate it. Appreciate the opportunity. All right, man. Well, be well. Thanks so much. All right. Take care now. Bye-bye then. The Jack Wagon Podcast is a Courtesy Clap production.